Welcome to the Aging Gracefully, Our Recovery Keeps Growing, Ask It Basket Workshop. My name is Elizabeth. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Please, please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, we ask that old cell phones and other electronic devices be turned off. To protect our anonymity, no photography or visual recordings are allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. An Ask It basket will be circulated during the meeting. After the meeting, the presentation portion will then go through and our speakers will address those issues. This meeting is being taped. If you enjoy this workshop, we encourage you to stop by the tape table to order copies of this workshop or any other meeting. They are available on CD or as an electronic download. The format for this meeting is as follows. Two speakers were shared for 25 minutes each, followed by 25 minutes of questions and answers. The topic for this session is Aging Gracefully. Our recovery keeps growing. And our first speaker this morning is Margie. It's either see all of you or see my notes. So I'm going to the notes. Hi, my name is Margie. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm from Petaluma in Sonoma County. Uh, I'd like to qualify by talking a little bit about what it was like. Uh, my earliest memory of compulsive overeating was in about the fourth or fifth grade. And like so many of us, it developed as a way to cope with life. And my mom was my model for that. She grew up poor in the Deep South in the 40s, and she was the first in her family to ever go to college, but she could only earn enough money to go for a year. She was independent and career-minded, and she would have been a lot better suited to a big city with a lot more options for women. But she took the path that was most available to her, which was marriage. And my dad at that time was a pilot in the Air Force. So to her, he represented freedom and adventure and getting out of the South. So they did initially move to Europe, where my brother and I were born. And then they came back to the States and wound up in California, where another brother was born. And my dad became an airline pilot. So he had a work schedule that changed every month. And he had really long absences and was not the typical nine-to-five dad. Uh, that left my mom pretty homebound and sort of a semi-single parent. Um, so she responded to that by compulsively overeating. And I don't know, and it really doesn't matter, if it was because I was the only girl or the oldest, but the wallpaper of my life was hearing my mother say to me, 
I would just as soon slap you as look at you. And she did slap me. And it was always um, unexpected, uh, never quite knew when it was coming. And that was the depth of her unhappiness with her life. Um, so I watched her compulsively overeat, and I did the same thing until I found OA 17 and a half years ago. I can only guess that I'm maintaining a 50-pound weight loss because I stopped weighing myself when I hit 190. Uh, vanity wasn't going to let me see that number get any bigger. But I kept eating compulsively for an, at least another couple of months uh, until I found program. And since this is a seminar on aging, I'll say that I was 39 years old when I came into program, and in a few months I'll be 57. So that qualifies me as middle-aging, I like to say. Um, the primary experience that I've had with aging in program, both with my program and with the process of aging, is that the road does narrow, but my horizon has broadened. So that's made all the difference to me. Um, physically, I've let go of body obsession. That took a long time. In favor of body awareness, which my aches and pains have contributed to a lot. Um, my right knee is weaker than my left. So I had knee surgery. And to this day, I use the tips that a physical therapist gave me to help me maintain balance there. Occasionally it goes out on me. Expecting unexpected. Um, and then I have arthritis in my right hand, which is my dominant hand. Um, but that has taught me when and how to rest and to have limits, because I used to be a human doing instead of a human being, and now my right hand won't let me do that. And exercising for me now is a lot more about maintaining my body, keeping it working and fluid than it is about vanity. That has become, you know, a side effect, a nice one, but not my focus. And when I began the menopause journey that I'm on the other side of now, um, somehow intuitively, and I know that program gave me this gift, I, I looked at it as a journey. Um, and I brought a lot of curiosity to it. I will never be a fan of hot flashes. Hate them. Um, and I need a whole lot less food now than ever, and I suspect I'm going to need even less as I go along. But um, my curiosity about the changes in the process really gave me a better experience than any resistance that I might otherwise have brought to it. As I thought about this topic today, um, I realized that most of what I have learned and am continuing to learn can be found in the word age. Um, to me, the A was acceptance. The G was both gratitude and grace. And E was enthusiasm, expectations, and experience. And I've only recently noticed about acceptance that just before I surrender something, all my obstacles to that thing visit me. It's like, 
the Committee of Obstacles is here. But the good news is that when I see the Committee of Obstacles, I know, ah, surrender is right around the corner. That's good. <laughs> so about acceptance. Um, my sponsor gave me a great phrase. It wasn't really about this topic, but another one. She used the, the term shock absorber. And the longer I'm in program, the more I realize that acceptance is really a shock absorber. Um, reality brings so many experiences, good, bad, and hideous, um, that my ability to accept reality for what it is and flow instead of bulk um, really absorbs a lot of those shocks. Um, my mom got Alzheimer's. She had long since been divorced from my dad by the time that happened. Um, and so my brother, one of my brothers and I, uh, both in the Bay Area where she lived alone, um, were charged with taking care of her. And for about nine years, we went through that process with her which was so sad to me because here was a woman who just wanted adventure and freedom and she was felled by the worst possible disease that takes away those two things and everything else. Um, but acceptance was a great shock absorber for me because dealing with somebody you love with Alzheimer's is kind of like raising a child only in the inverse just when you get used to the stage they're in, they move to the next one, and you begin the process again. And you lose a little, you lose a little more, and on and on. And there's a passage in For Today, it's on page 51, that I like a lot that says, My burdens today might seem greater than any I've ever had but so is my ability to deal with them. I am not where I once was. And I found new abilities to deal with life through the journey of my mom's Alzheimer's. Um, she died about a little over three years ago, and I was fortunate to be with her when she passed. It was ironic because those of you who have been with a dying loved one know that it, strangely, it gets kind of boring. Um, there's a long stretch of nothing much. So I settled in for long stretches. I could have been there for days. I didn't know. And um, the hospice nurse had told me to watch her breathing. And she had told me, and I don't know why I remembered it, that at the end there would be less and less time between breaths. So I just sat there watching her breathing, which was through her mouth then, and counting the seconds between breaths. And that is how I came to see the moment she passed and be her witness, just like she was to my first breath when I came into this world. And it was just one of those truly complete circle moments. Strangely enough, almost three years to the day my father died, um, he died of prostate cancer, which was not correctly diagnosed. 
and could have been treated, and his death was needless. Uh, I also was with him before he died, not at the moment. So I really feel blessed to have seen them both out. And probably one of my all-time favorite passages in For Today, page 114, says, If I allow it to pass through my life without trying to change it or escape from it, grief will leave me a more finished person. And I absolutely understand what kind of finish grief has given me. Very grateful for it. Uh, The gratitude I feel has a lot to do with my peace with my past Um, and age and and maturity have brought me that peace because being at peace with my past frees me up to actually live my current life. Um, I heard someone say something not long ago that I thought really summed it up, which was that by perpetuating childhood pain in our lives today, we're making a delicious soup and occasionally throwing in a handful of dirt. And I no longer throw in handfuls of dirt. Uh, I don't perpetuate my childhood pain or act it out. And program is the reason why. And in Voices of Recovery, page 224, it tells me that an attitude of gratitude serves me best. And I literally experience the truth of that because whenever I look at what's good, then that's what multiplies. When I thought about grace, I looked it up in my dictionary and the definition I liked the best was that grace is authenticity in thought and behavior. And doing fourth and fifth steps in a way has brought my thinking and my behavior into alignment and it has made me a far more authentic person. And the tenth step keeps that authenticity current. So for me, if I had to sum it up in one sentence, aging gracefully is to be authentic. And I saw a quote recently that made me laugh, and I thought it was pretty much about both gratitude and grace, and it was, more wag, less bark. (laughs) And I'm a cat person, but they they wag too. More wag, less meow. Um, Enthusiasm keeps me young at heart. In For Today on page 362, it says, Curiosity and enthusiasm are the two outstanding characteristics of children, and the most blessed of humans are those who keep these qualities all their lives. And the big book on page 86 asks, What can I pack into the stream of life? For me, um, I've found that service as a sponsor adds to the stream of life. And the love and the enthusiasm that I bring to my sponsees and to my program relationships then turns and renews me as well. 
expectations, uh, time and age have really softened my expectations, worn them right down. Doesn't mean they don't pop right back up, but they're better than they used to be. When I came to OA, my primary expectation was perfectionism. But I've learned that it's a paralyzing trap. It's black or it's white. I'm perfect or I'm a complete disaster. And perfectionism is really a search for security and safety. And when I realized that, um, I had so much more compassion for myself and all the other perfectionists I meet in program. But it's the wrong place for either one. And I've had to discover over the years that my higher power is the right place for both of them. So when I came to the experience part, um, there are so many quotes and things I've read and heard over the years that, that really sum up my experience. I just wanted to sort of read random sampling of them to you. In For It Today on page 154, uh, it says, nothing ever becomes real till it is experienced. Even a proverb is no proverb to you till your life has illustrated it. Amen. I've learned that caring for my body is very different from obsessing over it or trying to fix it. I can't and don't eat sugar, but I also can't fly without wings, be invisible, or be 21 again. Nor would I want to be. Now that's a blessing. For changes that last, make them doable, not daunting. Back to perfectionism. <laughs> Rather than stay angry, I try to stay informed. I want people to like me, but not at my expense. I can't control other people's behavior, but I can decide how much of it I'll tolerate. It's normal to cry because something is over, but now I also feel happy that it happened at all, especially when I think about my parents and my relationship with them. Um, and I see them through the eyes of compassion. This one is probably the truest of all. Time will change and even reverse, most usually reverse, many of my present opinions. That's helped me not to get too stuck in them. And I'd like to end with this quote. I can't know what the future will bring, but my best hopes are as likely to happen as my worst fears. Thanks so much. Thank you, Marty. I would now like to introduce our second speaker this morning, and so I'm going to call Judy up here.
bottle. I need my bottle, please. <laughs> Thank you. It's got a little caffeine in it. Um, <clears throat> my name is Judy. I'm a compulsive old reader. Um, I'm a compulsive old reader of the really hopeless, hopeless, hopeless variety. Really. Um, there are, this is nice, there are people in here that do know me. I think that's nice. Um, my peeps, and then there are a lot of people in here who don't know me. So, uh, for the sake of those who don't know me, I will qualify very briefly. Um, I've been a compulsive reader as, as long as I can remember, from day one. Um, I'm a garden variety compulsive overeater. You know, um, <clears throat> I, I'm a quantity eater. I'm a volume bulk eater. I always have been. I still am. That's fine with me. That's who I am. And I'm okay with that, you know. I know it. I, laugh, I can laugh at it. You know, last night um, a friend and I went. We, we didn't know any restaurants in the area, and we're looking and we're looking. And so we went, we ended up at this place, and um, the first thing that happened is that we were thrilled because they gave large portions. It's like, it didn't matter if it was crummy, as long as it was enough. And that's the kind of eater I am. I will always take quantity over quality. I want the most of my calories and my buck, and um, I would never... Alcoholism, not an issue, because I would never waste my calories on something I couldn't chew. So that's the kind of eater I am. So, um, you know, I just, and to me, I can't talk about people who are normal. To me, this is normal. I've never, ever been any other way. I didn't, like, flip a switch at puberty or at when I became an adult or when I was whatever I was, you know. I just, it's always been this way, so... You know, so be it. Anyway, um, so I got the phone call to ask me to speak at this session and this particular topic. Um, it was April 23rd and I was in the car. And some of you know that April 25th was my 60th birthday. So I thought it was pretty, I laughed, you know. <laughs> Mitch just probably thought I was like weird because I'm, I'm laughing, laughing and going, you have no idea how appropriate or inappropriate this is for me because uh, aging gracefully. Um, I have to tell you that in my 60 years now, no one has ever, ever, ever accused me of acting gracefully. <laughs> I have, however, aged. <laughs> so I feel qualified. I feel qualified. The, the closest word to gracefully that has been applied to me is my father who still, my father at 90, and I who still, you know, have this terrific, very loving, but very sort of, you know, black humor um, relationship with each other. He still calls me Grace because I've, I'm very, uh, I'm terminally klutzy, let's put it that way. And that, I'm, it's genetic. I got that from my mother, you know, who can trip over walking down the carpet. And I can do that, too, and do, frequently, usually in front of a group of people. Um, try doing that in front of a group of sixth graders. Go sprawling. Once you've done that, doesn't matter where you do it, you know. Um, anyway, so, so that's, I came into OA 
President's Day weekend, 1981. Yeah, 1981. So what's that? Almost almost 30 years. So basically, I've been in OA half my life. Um, and, you know, I was saying also, can you hear me if I move this thing down a little like that? Otherwise, I feel like, you know. Anyway. Anyway, so... Um, This is what happens at 60. I've completely lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Come on. Now I have my... Eh, dang. You see? Welcome to my world. I know. I know what I was saying. I was saying that I cannot stand to hear people say my life is beyond my wildest dreams. You know? And then I realized my life is beyond my wildest dreams, not necessarily in the way I want it, you know? Never, ever, at age 30, when I walked into OA, and by the way, I wouldn't even listen to anybody who was thin unless they had pictures that showed them not thin. Because otherwise I had nothing. They had no, I had no understanding. I had no relationship to them or interest because they didn't know what it was like, you know? So I walked into OA, President's Day weekend, 1981. I was like 200 and some change pounds. And um, at that time, I was in San Francisco. And that's why it's been, this is, the, the conventions are great because I, I, last night I saw a bunch of people that I knew from like, you know, day one. And that's really cool. And they had been around a while when I was, when I, when it was day one for me. So that's pretty neat. Anyway, um, there was only one meeting a day in San Francisco at that time, but there was one meeting a day. And I didn't have a car. And we were talking last night about how I would get up from my apartment on Hyde Street near the Cala Foods, which was the only 24-hour supermarket um, at the time. <laughs> and um, I would take two buses across town on a Sunday morning to get to an 8.30 a.m. meeting. Now... People from Sacramento, how often do I make it to the 9 o'clock Saturday meeting? Not my peeps. No, you know, um, they know me, and uh, not very often. So, you know, willing to go to any length? You know, um, sometimes when I'm really desperate, again, and I was desperate, and desperate really works well in this program for me. Um, and, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to jump around because that's the way my brain works. I'm, you know, um, you're, you know, you, there's the door. You know, so if it doesn't work for you, one of the things—that's what I mean about Drake list. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Anyway, what I want to say, though, in all seriousness, is that uh, the one thing that I have always done in Old Readers Anonymous is I have kept coming back and I have told the truth as I knew it, the best I knew it, and I still do. So that's why there's nothing that I'm really embarrassed to say up here because I don't have, I don't think any secrets left, you know? I'm sure something will come up that I'll remember, but at the moment, I don't. I really don't. I don't need to. And I tell just about everybody I meet, you know, after I've known them maybe a day, a week, if any opportunity has come up, I always say, yeah, I'm in Overeaters Anonymous. I'm in a 12-step program. And um, 
it's the only thing that has ever worked for me. Because I pass. You know, I pass. I mean, these pants, I, I think it's weird. I think these brands, some of the brands they carry now, they're making the numbers smaller and the sizes a little bigger to make you feel better or something. I don't know. But these are tens. Now, come on. You know, I, I'm not a ten, you know. But the, the clothes mostly say that I am. Go figure. Um, so, uh, so even though I've been in OA half my life, inside, I know who I am. I know what an eater I am. I, I am a compulsive reader. And, and I tried all the diets, and my mom, bless her heart, took me to everything. They tried to jiggle the weight off. They gave me shots. They did everything, you know. And that stuff didn't work because just being on a food plan did not work. I, I was reading last night in um, the fourth edition book, and I just, I just opened to a story. And it was actually, I think, the last story in the book, um, in this particular book. And what it said was, I didn't have to read anything else except that story, because what it said was, and I'm going to paraphrase, it said, OA doesn't teach us how to handle our eating. It teaches us how to handle our life, our life without eating, compulsively. And that's basically... That's basically what it did. That's basically what the 12 steps are for me and, and continue to be. And um, so when I said it was beyond my wildest dreams, I'm going to tell you, I did not expect that at 60 years of age, number one, I would still be working. Number two, I would be single. Number three, I would not have had children. Um, and if someone had told me that's what was going to happen, I would have clocked out a long time ago. Or I would have fought it all the way. Instead of basically, basically just kind of going along. Um, and let me tell you the person, the person that I am today. <laughs> well, first of all, is there anybody in here who's been here like less than a year? Oh, good. That's a relief. Um, you know, because I'm as, as, a friend of ours in Sacramento, or from Sacramento, Tom always said, you know, I'm, I'm really the bad example. <laughs> um, although, in many ways, I'm not the bad example, because I'm here, I, you know, I look like a normal person, um, and I do work the program to not always the best of my ability, but maybe the best of my ability that day. And I've lived my life and I've survived my life, and um, for almost 30 years, and I've been through, like everybody, I've been through life. And I used to think that I wasn't going to, for some reason, I wasn't going to have to go through many of life's experiences because, after all, I hadn't eaten any pizza, you know, X number of years. And so didn't I deserve a break today? Yeah, and you know who tells you that. Um, I guess that's an old commercial. Maybe don't do that one anymore. But anyway, um, I've been through surgeries. I've been through um, sometimes I think the worst losses of all, which are the losses of your dreams. You know, when something doesn't work out. Um, just I did not. I did tremulous voice. I did not expect. Anyway. Um, I'm a person who thinks life is hard. I think life is hard. 
Um, I, I think that's maybe the purpose or whatever, if there is such a thing. But I do know that I have managed to get through it with, uh, you know, a lot of arms around me, even when I was pushing them away. <laughs> There's somebody in here who always says, you don't know, you don't want to take a hug. I know, and I'm going to give you one no matter what. Anyway, um, but more than anything else, you know, my higher power. Um, and actually, for me, more the higher power rather than something, it's, some, it's inside of me. It's love, it's strength, it's all those, it's the positive traits, my higher power, that is what my higher power is for me. And um, <clears throat> the fact that, um, and I, it is such a process. This friend last night was also talking to me about those years that I could not stand to talk to my mother. I was so angry at her. I was so angry. Well, everyone in here knows that whenever, I, or my friends know that whenever I have a break, from school, what do I do? I go to Phoenix, Arizona because my parents are there. My parents are both still alive. My mother is 83, having survived any number of heart bypass, and she has COPD, is on oxygen, never smoked a cigarette in her life. You know, she was the one that did everything right. And my dad, who is 90, did it all, you know, smoked, drank, red meat, the whole bit. His insides, and his sister's 94, which is one of the reasons I know I really need to stay in this program. Because I have at least, I have at least another 30 years to go. My name is Judy. And I'm growing up. Is, you know, I hope so. I certainly hope so. And I know I'm not going to be one of the people like my parents who their meals have gotten much, much smaller as they got older. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> um, the other thing, though, in this story that, that seriously, and I apologize again for jumping around, um, you know, I didn't plan what I was going to say. And uh, I just, I asked to be guided. So one of the things it says we do, we have to deal with abstinence. And basically, I mean living abstinently every day. And um, the only way that we can do that is to practicing the 12 steps. And I like this. We are taught to differentiate between our wants, which are never satisfied, and our needs, which are always provided for. I thought that was wonderful. It also says, above all, we reject fantasizing and accept reality. You know, uh, again, graceless is the word that springs to my mind for me, um, because I do still a bit of kicking and screaming along the way, and I think the fact that I recognize when I'm sort of at that point, yesterday morning I woke up, I had the most horrific, horrific sinus headaches, and, and I haven't been sleeping nights well, I was exhausted, and I thought, I'm not going, I don't want to drive the three hours. You know, I don't want to drive that three hours. It's going to be painful. There's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be crowded. It's costing me this money and yada, yada, yada. And I didn't want to go. And and I was in a, I was, oh, what's the phrase? Restless, irritable, discontent? You know, you can quote me on that phrase if you'd like. I know it. Nice, it has a nice ring to it. Um, and then I thought, so what have you been doing lately? You know, have I been reading? Program stuff, not much. In the morning, maybe. Have I gotten to meetings? No, I've been working late every night. Have I been making phone calls? 
yeah, I'm on the phone during the day with, you know, parents, whatever. So it's like, well, of course I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. And what I knew was, even though my brain said, you want to stay home and hibernate, I knew if I did that, I would not feel better. I would not feel better. I might stay right where I was. And if I came down last yesterday to San Mateo to the convention, I might feel the same, but I might, just might start feeling better. And so I took, so I took that path. I didn't know that years ago. I didn't know that it doesn't matter what you think or what you're feeling, you know. Do what you know works, no matter what my head says, you know. And my mind is not my friend, you know, and I make it a habit never to go in there alone. That's a quote I got from someone, and I really loved it. Um, I love those kinds of things that I can grab, and it's like, oh, yeah, get through the day doing as little damage to yourself as possible. Um, Some days that's the best I can do, and that usually involves my food plan. It usually involves my food plan because that is the quickest way for me to deviate, you know, more than yelling at somebody. You know, I don't do that very often anymore. Um, Inside I do, but I don't. Um, I used to, this is another quote I love that I heard. Um, I used to think people should put me on a pedestal for stopping something that was killing me, you know, (laughs) you know, and I didn't want to be on a pedestal. I just wanted things to go my way, you know, it doesn't work that way. So um, I've I've been through surgeries. I've been through surgeries that didn't work. I've been through the losses. I've been through, you know, I've been through years of horrible, horrible work situations and that all my friends knew were really not great situations for me, but I didn't see it until I was out of it, that sort of thing. But they listened to me anyway, you know, a real, real, that's a real plus of this program. Um, Today's, I don't know how many people read Today's for Today. I think today's the fifth, isn't it? Okay, good. (laughs) And it says, nowhere in my life has my higher power been more evident than in relieving me of compulsive overeating and giving me the OA program of recovery. If I was not a believer when I came to OA, I am a believer now. I was and still am powerless over food. That's really my bottom line. Um, I think I was a believer, but I was was a believer in the God of Santa Claus or Hanukkah Claus, whatever. You know, if I behaved myself, if I did all the right stuff, then I'd get the goods. I also had that about gratitude. If I were happy today, then God would stop with what I had that day, and I would never, it would never get better. So I better not be grateful for what I have. I should just be miserable, you know, for what I didn't have. And now I don't, now I don't do that, you know. Um, thank you. Um, I don't do that. I, have, I can be miserable as hell and grateful at the same time. And it's really helpful to be aware of that, and it's really helpful now. I'm a little bit able to, you know, my life is hell because so-and-so broke up with me. Well, maybe that area of my life is hell. On the other hand, 
you know, I have a good job, I just, you know, my parents love me, I have a wonderful relationship with my parents now, and, um, you know, recently one of my, one of my bucket list things came true, you know, I got to be on that NPR quiz show, and, you know, it was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm still waiting for Carl Castle's voice on my machine, but, you know, I, I, I wanted that so badly, and I, I got it. You know, the old Judy would have said, that's it. So now I got that. I don't get to get anything else. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's kind of what, what Margie was saying. You know, that whole yin-yang thing. Um, I, uh, I have a great life. There are always trade-offs. And you know what? I don't know anybody. Well, I might know one person whose life I might be willing to switch with. But... Um, Nah, <laughs> because everybody's got something, you know. And so, okay, I don't have kids. I got more money because I don't have kids. I get to be, I get to be super anti to my nephew. You know, I'm gonna meet him in Disneyland in two weeks. That's gonna be a ball. I'm gonna have such a good time with that kid. And then, you know, when he has his horrible teenage years, I'm still the super anti. So, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. And, um, and I'm very, very grateful. And so if nothing else, what I got, I got, I aged, definitely, 30 years. Um, although I'm probably physically, in, at least, you know, weight-wise and stuff like that, I'm a lot better than I was 30 years ago healthier in that way. I got a lot more aches and pains, but hey, you know, okay. There are liniments and pills and patches and, you know, stuff like that. I have some things I'm, I have most things I'm extraordinarily grateful for. And um, I used to think I wanted a relationship more than I wanted anything in the world. What I wanted was peace in my heart. What I wanted was peace and, and to just yeah, you know, that to me is, is maybe that's what joy is, you know, that level of peace, that, that just sort of knowing that, that it's, everything's okay as it is, just kind of sailing along. Um, yeah, with some tremendous highs, I had a fabulous birthday. It was, it was a wonderful, wonderful day. And one of the reasons it was wonderful is because I had a lot of people there. They were there. They were there for me. It was a gorgeous day. Now, granted, they were going to get some food out of it, but, you know, and, and, and a fun thing to do. But there were plenty of other things they could have done that day, and they were all there. And none of them had to be, to maybe my sponsee, but none of them had to be, you know. So I get great joy in my life. I have lots. I have people in my family, which is a blessing because I know plenty of people who don't have people in their family that they, that, they, that they love and that love them so much. And I used to think, even at age 60, how would I ever get through the death of a parent? And I know that when it comes, and it, you know, my dad's 90, who knows? Um, but I have people to support me and help me through that. I know that I will survive. I know that I can survive anything. You know, it isn't the event 
It isn't the happening that's hard. It's the pain around it <laughs> that I dread, that I used to dread, and that food used to fill up. Um, OA is a roadmap. It's a way to make it through this program, through this life of ours. And um, I still can't believe there's only 54,000 people in OA worldwide. That just seems like such a small number. If that's true, then, my God, we are lucky. Because we have a way. We have a plan for living. So, you know, there's a lot of you I want to be like when I grow up. But um, for right now, what you see, you know, is what you get. And uh, keep coming back, okay? Thanks. Who has the ask it basket? The speakers will now draw questions from the ask it basket for the remainder of the meeting. one says, looking back on yourself 20 to 30 years ago, there's another word, but I can't read it, 20 to 30 years ago, what experience, strength, and hope would you tell your younger self? Whoa. Um, I think I sort of covered a lot of that in my share. Um, I would definitely tell her to relax. I would tell her to take it easy. I would tell her to quit rolling her eyes at me, because uh, that's exactly what she would have done. I would tell her there's enough time, and what really needs to happen will happen, and she doesn't need to, you know, be scrubbing the roof and the floors at 3 a.m. Um, I'd also put my arms around her and probably give her some there-theirs because she grew up without very many of those. And I'd probably cry with her and just assure her that I'll be with you and it's going to get so much cooler. Yeah. And just by the fact that I happen to be reading this one, you'll know what I'm going to say. Does humor help accepting the aging gracefully? I think it is survival. I think it is survival because uh, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I think life is pretty serious. And I take things very seriously. I do. I do. And then, but, and if I don't laugh at myself, you know. And, every, and, and the absurdity of all of it, um, who could survive? You know, I, yeah. I used to have license plates that said, lighten up. 
And then I got rid of them because I wanted to be more anonymous. And now I have these bumper stickers on my car so that everybody knows exactly who I am. When, you know, so it's like, what's the difference? Yeah, you got to lighten up. Judy just says, you're getting all the long ones. This one says, can you talk about how your food plan changed, if it did, as you got older? Boy, howdy. Did you change how often you ate, the amounts you ate, or any particular foods? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, as I said in my share, uh, the road narrows and narrows again and then turns into one lane, and then I think a footpath, basically. That's how it's feeling to me. Um, so I, if I want to maintain um, where I am today or have any hope of further weight loss, uh, if I need that, uh, I absolutely cannot eat uh, the same quantities that I once was able to eat in program. Um, literally with menopause and now being on the other side of that, um, it's sort of like the food is cut in half and then as I get older still, it's cut in half again. Um, <laughs> sorry! But, but, that's only my experience. You might get to eat all the food I'm giving up. So, lucky you. Um, I didn't, I haven't changed how often I eat, which is three times a day. Uh, it's really important for me to, you know, eat breakfast and lunch and dinner. Um, but I like, you know, what we often hear, make, you know, breakfast is, uh, how does it go, king, lunch is queen, and dinner's a pauper prince or something like that. Um, and particular foods, um, yeah, I used to be able to handle carbohydrates a whole lot better, and uh, now not so much. Um, I've always been abstinent from sugar, and that still remains true. Uh, fatty things, not so much anymore. Used to be more tolerant of that. So really, um, I know this is really about specifically food, but um, for me, it's more about awareness, more awareness, still more awareness, and how that translates. Um, before I do this one, which is another quickie, is it okay if I dovetail on what she said? I never. Now, there's an expression I've never had the opportunity to use before, to dovetail. <laughs> Every day, a new experience, I'm telling you. It just keeps getting better. Um, I, you know, and because, oh, that's okay. I was going to make some crack remark because that's sort of the mood I'm in today. You know, I, I am because if I don't laugh, you know, what the heck. Um, if I can't laugh with you guys, I mean, come on. You know, you you got to, I was like, well, it's not really a captive audience. But anyway, um, 
what I was going to say was everybody's food plan is different, and we, we all kind of know that. Um, and I want to say that for some people in the room, if you're like me, um, I, I have what people used to call a very structured food plan um, as to what I don't eat is basically it, what I don't eat. There are a lot of kinds of foods that I don't eat. That, I, that eating any of them releases the phenomenon of craving for me, you know, and I, and I know that, and I, 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 I even the thought of eating them just like sobers me up really quickly, you know, and and that's just me. And if there are people like me, you know, God love you, and feel free to talk to me about it. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think that I used to think recovery man. I I pushed away from the table when I was full. You know, um, I wouldn't notice what was on the buffet table and all that stuff. Now I think recovery is, for me, sometimes it's not going to the potluck. You know, if I want to visit with people, I'll visit with them in in another situation. You know, I don't have to put myself in those because I know me. And unlimited amounts of foods are very, very hard for me. It's just, it's too much of a struggle. And because I, I won't win. I used to say, like putting me and Muhammad Ali in the ring together. Like, forget it. It's not a fair fight. Um, so I just want to say that, you know, I don't eat any starches or grains. None. Nada. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat nuts. And, you know, don't, and I never say I can't, you know, because I could. There just isn't enough in the world, you know. So um, I, I, because, Yeah. Anyway, and there are probably other things that I don't eat that people who know me know that I don't eat, but that I can't remember right now. So, anyway. And I did have to change one thing, though, also, in terms of three meals a day and nothing in between. I don't do that anymore. For some reason, my body has gotten so that late morning, I start getting this really low blitz good thing. So I have, I have like, a hard-boiled egg or something, you know. Sometimes I have to, I do that in the middle of the morning, late afternoon, you know, but um, I know when what I'm having is, you know, quote unquote, okay or not, or if I'm going overboard or if I didn't really need it, that sort of stuff. So I think being honest about it and, and maybe talking to somebody about all of it is really important. Can you speak about humility in relation to getting older? <laughs> No, I, you know what? I, the best thing I ever saw in humility was one of those little cards that, and this is the definition, this is what I try to remember. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I really like that a lot because I am extraordinarily self-centered. And um, when I get out of the way, you know, I think that's another way of saying relieve me of the bondage of self, please, God. So... Yeah, I really like that one. Um, I think it does get better. Easy, well, yeah, easier to get out of your own way. Maybe more quickly anyway. Thank you. This one's a two-paragraph one. Loss of physical ability due to aging may cause grief just as loss of a loved one. What are your comments regarding how 12 steps help integrate grief into our lives? Very true. Um, 
I, I sort of responded to the different physical losses I've sustained, which compared to some people are minor, uh, but for me, you know, they're mine, with surprise. I keep thinking, well, why is this happening? Could be because you're almost 57. But um, it is a grieving and a letting go. Um, I'm never going to be able to do deep knee bends again. Not that that was number one on my hit parade, but I can't do that. I know how I need to get down to the ground and up again, usually with the help of a table or something. Um, and so the same process that I used with my mom and Alzheimer's and with grief about my parents' loss, only in a smaller fashion do I apply to the physical losses. Um, I have this bump on my right hand from arthritis, and I sort of think of it in a friendly way. Um, I didn't like it when it first appeared, um, but now I, I can use it to gauge how well I'm handling my arthritis, because when I'm handling it well, it's a small bump, and when I'm overdoing, it becomes a bigger bump. So that's another way of sort of recognizing and acknowledging and allowing. Um, You can't, I can't pick out one of the 12 steps, but they are all as a continuum. Um, what gives me the ability to turn all my griefs, you know, small, medium, and large, over to something infinitely bigger than me. And they all circle back and integrate um, this part of my experience with this part and help me deal with all of the parts. So I don't know if this is what this person was looking for, but that's been my experience. I don't think there were any more questions. But so we've supplied all your answers. <laughs> so wonderful. God. I feel so powerful. No. <laughs> Oh, God, if I had any answers. I always get nervous when people write questions because it's like I don't have any answers. You know, I just have experience and some strength and some hope. Yeah. But I wanted to also re-dovetail on um, the one that Marty just did. Um, when I was in OA, when, you know, I'm, I'm a person that because I couldn't do anything physically, I always used my brain, and that was how I, you know, got kudos from other people and, and, and could pat myself on the back. And so one of the gifts I got in the program was um, God decided that um, I was going to enjoy bicycle riding. And I loved it. I loved it from the get-go. I still love it. And I ended up with, I ended up with one of those road bikes. And I mean, honest to God, I wore spandex. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, When I, because when I rode that road bike and I was in my spandex and my bike helmet and I was raced, I mean, I was never super, super fast, but I got relatively strong and I rode some metric centuries and stuff like that. There is nothing in my life that ever made me feel better about myself than that because that, again, was not who I thought of myself. So I felt sleek and strong and and in like a jock or something and then my back went and I could no longer ride a road bike it was 
devastating to me. It was devastating. And But what I did is I did make some adjustments, and for about five or six years I rode a recumbent bicycle, you know, which is relatively dorky looking and not sleek and blah, 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 blah. And now I'm able, I am able to ride um, an upright bicycle again, but I can't ride a road bike. I don't have drop handlebars. I got, you know, riser bars and stuff like that. So, um, but I still get to do the activity in a, in a different way, in a, in a curtailed way. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the thing that, that's happened. There's a lot of things. I took a dance, I went to a dance class couple of weeks ago and I got so completely out of breath you know I used to be able to do that stuff you know well I know I can do it again if I start doing it again on a regular basis so sometimes I've had to I've had to change the activities I couldn't do a lot of the it was a Latin one and I really couldn't do a lot of it because my my knees don't my right knee doesn't want to do that swivel thing it's gonna it gives out it can't take it so, so maybe I won't do that particular step or that class, but I can find some other, okay, other things to do. Um, it is, a, that's a huge loss. It's a huge loss. But, uh, you know, again, it's, God, you know, help me. Just help me get through this, please, and help me find what's going to work for me. Something else. It is now time to close. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service. Please stand and join hands as we close with the OA promise. I put my hand in yours.